I am Monica Joy, founder of Assistance in Mind, AIM, a networking space for assistance worldwide, from virtual, executive, administrative, and personal assistance across all industries, sharing experience and building a community for growth and opportunity. Get involved, stay relevant. Get the latest from our hundreds of resources, from blogs, articles, ebooks, our forum, and a trending podcast. Interact with the community and get involved. Thank you for tuning into this podcast and for keeping assistance in mind. Hello, everybody in the AIM community. It's Monica Joy again, and we're here with another brand new podcast. And I would like to introduce my guest, Shauna. And I'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself and give us, you know, all your social media handles and everything before we kick things off and hop into all the questions. Okay. Hey, everyone. My name is Shana Antonio. I am the founder of Arc Shana & Co., which is a virtual assistance company. I've been doing that for around two years now, I believe, but I've actually been a VA secretary, et cetera, et cetera, for around, let's say, nine years now. Um, absolutely love what I do. You can find me on socials at Shana, S-H-A-N-N-A underscore Antonio, A-N-T-O-N-I-O. And that's on, across Instagram and also on Twitter. Awesome. Okay. Just by that introduction, we definitely know you have experience. So do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this line of work? So basically, when I was younger, I loved to organize things. I had my little folders. I loved to organize things. And as time went on, I used to help in my church in terms of doing admin there. And then I went to secondary school. And then after secondary school, I was thinking about, okay, what am I going to study when I go to uni? Wasn't really sure, but I know that I loved business and also love business administration. So I combined the two and I did business administration at Kingston University in the UK in London. I would say that I'm naturally gifted at being organized. I feel like it's a natural gift for me. And as I'm a Christian as well, I feel like that's what God has given me to use. And I just love it. Like anything that I can do, I will just organize it well. My clients are happy with what I do as well. And even prior to running Arch and Co, I used to run a events company. And because of COVID and stuff, we then transitioned to the Arch and Co. But I've been doing admin for a while now. So even on my church, when I was younger, even when I went to uni, I did a placement year and I did admin there. And even alongside doing my events company, I also was, had PA clients as well. Awesome. Okay. That sounds great. So what is something that kind of keeps you in the field? What's that X factor for you? Like I said, I'm naturally gifted at it because it comes naturally to me. I'm able to do it well. And my clients as well are amazing. I call my clients like heavyweight champions because nice. like the work that they do is just really, really amazing. I love working with them. Even the other day, someone even asked me, like, for example, a celebrity came along and was like, Shannon, we want you to work with us. Would I basically go and work with them? And I said, it really depends on who it is. And at the same time, I don't know if I would be able to get rid of all my clients because obviously most celebrities only want person to focus on their thing. But I love my clients. So I don't know if I would be able to like get rid of all my clients just to work on one person. So yeah. Okay. That's interesting that you say if a celebrity came along, I asked myself that question as well. That's always an enticing question, but mm -hmm. it's good to know that you have some form of attachment with your clients. And that would be definitely a hard decision. But if it's yeah. a decision that can even be made, I know a lot of VAs get close with their clients. So how would you really explain the dynamics that you have with your clients or what type of relationship does a VA who's getting into the field need to have with their clients? I think just one that's understanding, understanding of their needs and what they need and basically focusing on that. 
So if they say they need help with calendar management, then focusing on that. And then if there's anything around that would make their lives easier, would also suggest that as well. Luckily for me, most of my clients are actually my friends. So from the SA events company that I had, they then transitioned to my virtual assistance company. And I've got my clients mainly through referrals. And these people that I know that I've built a relationship with them. Yeah. And it works really well for us. Oh, very good. Very good. So I'm hearing in terms of how you get your business, it seems like you do a lot of word of mouth and you had relationships already built. What advice would you give someone who's new in the industry? How would they get clients? I would say put yourself out there, share that with either family or friends or on social media. So when I did start, even though I knew people, I still created like a mini flyer, post that on Instagram and then got other people that I know to also post that up as well. And that's how more people came and asked for our services. We also have a website as well that can be shared around. So I would say social media plus friends and family. Perfect. That's great. Because I know a lot of VAs, they come into the field and they're not sure how to go about getting clients. They know social media and some of them get stuck on social media thinking that's the only place they can find clients. So it's good to hear that there are other outlets. So if you're listening out there, word of mouth, you know, let people know what's going on, what you're doing, what services you offer. And I also know sometimes it can be challenging when you first take that initial step to start the business and you seem to have transitioned due to COVID. Tell us more about that transition and how your company outlook looked at that point. I think it was quite scary, actually, because obviously COVID, I'm thinking no one really has money. How can I now be charging people? (laughs) Thankfully, I had a mentor and this mentor actually helped me to start my events company. As a result of that, I was just like, this is the situation that I'm in. And she was just like, but you do admin at the same time. So why don't you just start an admin company? I was thinking, I can't really do that. But for me, I don't know if it was, I could say it was God or just, I don't know what people would say, luck. But I was on Instagram one day and I was scrolling, looking at Instagram names and for other like VAs and stuff. And I saw one that was like Ox and then the person's name. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I started to play around with it. And then I came up with Ox, Shanna and Co., At that time as well, I needed money. So I was like, you know what? I need to do this regardless if I think people will not pay for it or not. I need to put myself out there, get some money coming in because obviously at that time, events wasn't really running like that. So yeah, I decided to just put it out there, but it was quite scary. I was a bit worried, but as most people say, as the book says, feel the fear and do it anyway. And I'm glad that I did. And I was able to transition. When I did start my company, there was such a fast speed of people wanting the support. So I had to get a team and people straight away. And that was like mainly my, my sister, family members that could help at the beginning. And then after that, was able to get like other people to support as well. Oh, nice. So it seemed like you had to scale really fast. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How was that experience? That must have been exciting. It was definitely exciting. I think I was probably shocked because I was just thinking this might not even be possible. And then to know that it's possible and it's going beyond what I thought it would, it was just amazing. Oh, that is so good. Well, congratulations for that. That is really amazing because I know a lot of virtual assistants get in the field and they seem to have difficulty, especially after COVID, to find Mm. clients who are willing to pay them, you know, what they're worth. So what would you say in terms of making sure you're not getting lowballed? making sure you're getting what you're worth. What advice would you give to a VA out there? I think when I started off, I actually started off at a low rate because I wanted to feel what was going on. How is it going to work? But as my skills continue to grow, I was able to be like, okay, no, 
I need to be charging more than this. I think you have to know within yourself what you're worth. And even though sometimes it feels scary, when you're doing the work and you're getting a lower way, you'll kind of feel away. You kind of feel like, okay, I should be actually getting more. And if you feel like that, then you know that you need to put the rate up. So that's what I did. I was going at a low rate. I think, okay, this is fine. But after a while, when I knew that my skills was of a certain level in terms of people were praising me, my clients were praising me, the work that I was doing, I thought that was of good standards. And also getting that feedback, I said, okay, let me put my rate up. And what I try to do is every year as well is also review that and also review that with my clients because sometimes they might not be able to afford the higher rate. But if we can come to an agreement, then that's better than me staying at the lower rate. What advice would you give a VA for setting the rates? Do they look at what other VAs are asking in their area or how do they go about researching some of that? I would definitely look at the rates that other VAs are in the area and go from that and also go off obviously the hours and stuff that it takes to do the work as well. So that's how I currently do it at the moment. But yeah, that's what I would do. Look at what's out there and then come up with a rate like that. Okay. And I know we get lots of questions in terms of, should I charge an hourly rate or should I just charge a flat rate retainer fee? What's your thoughts on that process? So I do both. I do a retainer fee and that comes on, for example, 20 hours for the month a thousand pounds basically. And then if it's like a set rate, then it'll be like 30 pounds an hour, 35 pounds an hour. So hourly rate should be higher than the package rate, the retainer rate. So that hopefully in turn, clients will go for the package because most clients wouldn't be want to be spending like 10, 30 or more above the rates. But that's only for like, let's say ad hoc clients that probably need like one hour here and there, um, which is something that we hardly do, but it's just there as an option. I like that. Okay. So there's some flexibility there. And I like the dynamics that you have because it really gives clients an option. So whether they want to do, if they're an ad hoc client and they just need a few hours, then probably going hourly would be best for them. But the clients who need more hours, you know, probably getting some type of package will work for them. So one of the questions that we also get asked is, what makes a virtual assistant valuable? This is like, what's a virtual assistant's superpower? What separates virtual assistants from other type of assistants out there? I think the fact that we're, we actually are virtual. So like, for example, with my clients, they can contact me at any like point in the day, obviously within the working hours to ask for different things. And I'm able to be like, okay, yep, I can do it. Or I can be like, you know what? I can't do it at this time, but I can do it at this time. I feel like that's the power that we have. And for me, I, it's almost like I'm like part of my client's brain. So I would know exactly what they would want or how they would think and stuff like that, depending on the role that I have. Because some of my clients are like, EA clients or be PA clients. So it depends on how deep they want me to be within their business. But I think that's the superpower, the fact that we can essentially be part of their brains and understand what they need. And they can trust us to actually complete the tasks that are being set. I like that. I like how you said part of the brains because that's being an extension of your client. Yeah. And that's what they want, essentially. They want that. And they want someone who's going to think like them and really be able to run the show if, you know, they're gone. Like if they go on vacation and stuff, they're expecting you to like fill in those gaps and to know what decisions might need to be made on any given time to help support them. So that's great. Another thing that we also talk about is boundaries with the client. I know some VAs who are new in the field, they kind of have a hard time saying no. It's just because they don't want to lose the client. They don't want to, you know, seem like they're being negative. So they don't like to put no in their vocabulary. So what would you say about boundaries and a client? Like, how would you kind of navigate those waters? 
I think you have to have boundaries because if you don't have boundaries, then that then leads to like burnout and feeling really overwhelmed. So for example, with my clients, we have a set hours where we work, for example, between 9 and 6 p.m. So if you're messaging me out of these hours, I'm not going to reply. And if I do reply, is that to let you know that I've seen the message and I'll get back to you. But I think it takes time to do that because sometimes at the beginning, I'll be like, okay, I need to respond. I need to whatever. But I think for your own sanity... You need to just be like, okay, this is now my time. And for example, we don't work on Fridays as well because how stressful the work can be. We have like one day to like breathe. And some of my clients will actually message me on the Friday, but like, can you do this? Can you do that? But I just have to be like really firm and be like, remember, it's our day off. So we'll come back to this on Monday because I don't want to be burned out. The team members to be stressed as well. So I have to put that boundary in place. Yeah. And it's helped so far. And sometimes, like I said, clients do slip up. Just remind them. They're like, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I like how you keep referring back to your team and this work-life balance that I'm hearing, that I'm pulling from your answers. And tell us a little bit more about your team. Like how many people do you have on your team? So at the moment, I have three people. So I've got two basically full-time staffs and add another one that's part-time. I have one lady that's worked with me for like almost two years. So when the company came in, so she's been very loyal, really helpful. And I wouldn't be able to do it without my team because obviously most people know me, me as the face of the company, but they also know that I have a team behind me to support in terms of doing the work as well. And yeah, it's been amazing having them. And I feel like the team I have now is very robust. Whereas before I feel like, I used to have team members and it'll be really difficult or there'll be lack of understanding, et cetera, et cetera. But I love my team at the moment and they're really, really helpful. Very good. Very good. That is such an asset when you have a really strong team in your corner. How do clients perceive that? Do they think you're like this VA superstar and they're like, oh, I just hit the jackpot. Like, how does that feel? I think my clients probably think that I'm superhuman, to be honest. Because most of them, Shana, I don't know how you do this. How do you manage so many clients? I'm just like, I don't know how I do it myself. But thank God I have a team to also support me as well. But like I said, we love what we do. And we love to see that the client is making progress. The client's making more money. The clients are achieving their goals. So I feel like that also drives us as well. My clients are amazing anyways, and they're very understanding. So yeah, that's what I love about them as well. So yeah. Okay, perfect. That's amazing. And I also think that clients do have this perception of that, you know, we're superhuman or we have these superpowers or that just because we have all these clients. But, you know, it really takes, it's a skill in itself to have that balance and to be able to balance everything. Um, What would you say one of the characteristics that you have to have with someone in your position who's managing all of that? I would say characteristics. I think I would have to be really compassionate and understanding and also have, I would say, good communication skills as well. That's what I would need to have basically with what I'm doing now. Because I feel like in some cases, some clients are not good at communicating, especially when things go wrong. They're not really good at communicating. But I think if I approach them on a level of compassion or being understanding, then that will allow me to understand what's going on and how I can help. But it then gets difficult when I don't know what's going on because then I'm just like chasing you, but you're not getting back to me. That's when the difficult comes in. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy when you have a difficult client. It kind of makes you want to pull out your hair. (laughs) Not saying you have a difficult client now, but have you dealt with difficult clients in the past? And how do you deal with them? Because someone who's starting out new in the field might say, you know, I don't know how to deal with a difficult client. Do I keep a difficult client? How do I let go of a difficult client? Like what's some scenarios that maybe you've been in or some issues that you've experienced with some past clients? I think once you're clear on what you will and won't tolerate, I think that's important. 
for example, I think I had one client that they were just like really conscious of the amount of hours that we were using and it almost kind of questioned like, why is so many hours being spent on this? So I feel like you have to be clear on, okay, this is how many hours that was being spent on it. And these are the details of it. And if they're not coming, like they're not, for example, they don't want to pay, then that's when it gets a bit difficult. And I feel like in scenarios like that, I have to be like, okay, you don't want to pay for this amount of hours. What are you kind of willing to pay for? And I've already explained like, what the situation is and what those hours are spent on and kind of come to some sort of agreement. That's what I've had to do in in some difficult situations. Okay. Yeah. That could be a touchy subject, the billing. Yeah. It definitely can be. And that's why some VAs, they say, well, I'm going to pre-bill and you know, you have to get the services before, which is a great idea. But then sometimes clients don't like that. So it could be on a client by client basis. Like some clients will say, you haven't done the work. Why would I be paying you? And it's just like, that's more of the retainer fee. And then if you go over the hours, then we can adjust. I can bill you for those. So what would you say some advice for some VAs who kind of want to pre-bill and make sure that they have that retainer in their pocket before they start actually commencing services? I think you have to be very strict on what you want. I feel like I tried to do that at one point and it didn't work. <laughs> and I was so upset it didn't work, but I kind of understood why it didn't work because people are not used to paying for services beforehand in, in most situations. And like you said, sometimes it can be client by client that you do it, but normally I would ask for a deposit. So I'll say, can you pay me this amount, which is lower than obviously the package and then have that security of they pay the deposit. Hopefully they will pay at the end of the month. And in most cases they will pay because right. you've now done the work and they can see that you've done the work. But if you do want for them to be paying beforehand, then that's something that you need to have in your terms and conditions and your contracts. And obviously make sure you get that in that payment before you start basically. So yeah. Very good. Very good. I like that advice. I do like that. That's wonderful. And I think part of that is, is just being able to, like you said, know what you're going to accept and know what you're not going to accept. You have to have not necessarily a traditional business plan because this isn't a traditional business. It's a virtual services type business. So you need to have some type of game plan, I would say, to help manage all that. And especially you managing a team, you have to manage other people's time and making sure that (laughs) they're accounting for their time as well. So that could be tough. So with that, I know technology is really important and managing a team, you have to have tools that you use to manage your team. So what tools do you and your team use internally to help you guys have a smooth process internally? So we use Telegram. So Telegram is also like WhatsApp. So it's a form of communication. Yes, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. So we use that to talk internally and also to the clients as well. Some clients prefer to use WhatsApp. So with some clients, I'll be like, okay, let's use WhatsApp instead of Telegram. I also use Google Drive, My Drive. That is like a game changer for me. All of our documents and information is on that system. And we also use a software called ClickUp. And then on ClickUp, we're able to track the hours that we do and the tasks that we do as well so that the client can also see that for themselves as well. And if they're not familiar with ClickUp, then we probably just have a standard spreadsheet where they can see the hours and the tasks as well. But those are the main softwares that we use. We also use actually Airtable, where we just input like data or information that we might need on an ongoing basis as well. Nice. So when you leverage those tools, are there any tools that the client sees? Like I know you said you manage your time with ClickUp and, you know, maybe projects that you're working on. What tools do you use with clients? Like, because that's a good question that a lot of VAs, like what tools do they need to be experienced in? What would you recommend? 
I think I would also recommend the Telegram. So obviously that's a form of communication. If you don't use Telegram, then probably like Slack. Also just general emailing, (laughs) of course, that we can get the information (laughs) over. And I would also say like spreadsheets, uh, Microsoft as well. We have that on the Google Drive as well. And also ClickUp. So if they want to see their hours and they're familiar with ClickUp, then they can use that. So most of our clients have their own ClickUp software, depending on who it is. And they just add us into it or we add them to ours or we'll use a spreadsheet. So yeah. Nice, nice. So I know sharing data with the client can be sensitive and that can be a process in itself. So it sounds like you got that down pat, which is good because when you have a team and you're working with so many clients, you need to have a process in place. What are some other processes in place that you would say are very important for a VA? I would say definitely a contract or terms and conditions before you sign. I also have a form that I use for all my clients that they will complete in terms of if they've had a VA before, what's their experience been like, what are their goals, et cetera, et cetera. So we can review that. And also I can look back on it to see what areas that we need have forgotten about or not clear about as well. And I think that's mainly it. So they'll normally get an email from us that like details what we're about, the services that we offer, the package that they're interested in, terms and conditions. And they can also send us a non-disclosure agreement as well that we can also sign on their behalf. That's our, our process at the moment. Cool. So I know you touched base on like a couple of forms that initially go with the onboarding process. Do you have any tips or tricks in terms of onboarding a client that makes things seamless? Because I know that can be a clunky process in the beginning and you have to get it down right. But what are some tips and tricks that you may have that you can share? I think on our website, we have either an initial call, so they can book an initial call on our website. And obviously that goes straight to our inbox and our calendar. So it's automatically slotted in. And then after they have that initial call, and I think that initial call is so important because I feel like in email, sometimes things can be miscommunicated or things can be like a bit too much. So having that call to detail and also hear what their, their needs are is important. And then once they confirm that this is something that they want to do, I then have a longer meet with them, which is an onboarding call. So literally go through everything, their business, their goals, um, what they want to achieve, what they want us to work on. And then we then start implementing the work and go from there. Okay, nice, nice. I like that. It's really important to have that process shirt up when you're onboarding a client because that's your first experience with a client. Yeah. So you want it to be smooth. Were there any times where there were some hiccups in that process where it was kind of like, oh no, what happened? <laughs> Yeah. So normally with my clients, I don't really look at like who they are, what they do. So in that initial call, I would go through all of that with them. But there was one particular client that was like to me, she asked me questions about her. And I was like, um, sorry, I didn't do that research because this was the meeting. And then she was like, she would have preferred if I did the research beforehand. But I explained to her, that's not our usual process. Our process is to have this meeting to understand who you are. And if I do need to do extra research out of that, then I would. So that's one scenario that happened. But I think we was able to fix that because she came on board in the end. (laughs) Yeah, there can be hiccups like that where a client expectation doesn't necessarily match what your process is. And you kind of have to mold them to say, you know, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. And that gets us back to like some boundary setting. And that's really important. So have you found your dream client yet? I know this is a tough question for a lot of VAs. Or if you had a dream client walk through the door, what does that dream client look like? 
I don't really feel like I need a dream client, to be honest. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the clients that I have all bring different things to the table and I love working with like every single one of them. I feel like some clients we will do more work for them and some clients will probably do less. But like I said, my clients are heavyweight champions. So whatever they do is all about either improving society as a whole or improving individuals. So I love what they do. For example, one of my clients has a wellbeing company and they do workshops in schools. They also do different sessions on wellbeing in the community as well. I have another client that runs a personal development company and teaches people and does workshops so they're very helpful and I love that about them and yeah I don't think I have a dream client <laughs> awesome I love that that's actually you're the first one to say I don't think I need a dream client because all my <laughs> clients are like awesome so that's pretty cool that's pretty cool so I know earlier you mentioned you had a mentor going into this how helpful was that mentor if you could shed some light on having a mentor and what that means for starting a VA business or just being a VA in general I think it was very important. I was like, I don't think I can do this or I don't understand. They actually remind you of what you're capable of. And I feel like that's valuable because sometimes you'll be like, I can't though, but you've done it before. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you do have like worries or concerns. And I think they just draw you back in and just allow you to understand like, this is what you've done. This is what you're capable of. So you can do it. And they can also lead you in the right direction. So my mentor actually runs a wedding planning company. And obviously I was going into events. So I was able to shadow her and work with her on her weddings, get that experience. And then obviously then branch off. And she was able to like, be like, this is how much you should be charging or this is what you should be doing. And just giving me advice every step of the way, which is definitely something I needed because if I didn't have her, I don't think I would have started my business um, when I did. Very good. Very good. So that's nice. When I started getting into VA and all of that, it was just because I worked in the field in Mm -hmm. corporate offices and in jobs. So it's good to hear a perspective of someone who has a mentor because that's definitely a nice route to take when you have someone who can show you the ropes. It's really beneficial. So what are some things, the major takeaways from having a mentor that you would give, like any advice on, mm. on finding a mentor or even if you want to become a mentor, how, what does that mm. look like? I think it's looking at who is in your field and seeing how they work. And if they're like a high standards or something that you want to achieve, and I'll say reach out to them. I think it'll be good to reach out to them just to understand a bit more about them and also trying to provide some sort of value, whereas it's shadowing them or helping them in some sort of way so that there's like like almost like an exchange of services. I think that's very important. And I also feel like if you want to be a mentor, just put it out there and let people know. And also people are always looking for people to look up to and help them and support them. So I think being a mentor is also helpful for the next generation or those that are coming up as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Becoming a mentor is going to be very important because VAs who've navigated post-COVID and coming into the business, because before COVID, it was so much different because working from home or working virtually, it was being done, but not on the level that it's being done now. So what advice would you give some VAs in a pre-COVID versus a post-COVID world? I would say because we're now obviously working from home and stuff, I feel like if you're working from home, it would be good to like go to like a coffee shop or something like that too, that you can see other people and get that human connection as well. Because sometimes for me, I'll be on Zoom with my team members doing the work just so that someone else is there. And I feel it gives me a bit more motivation as well. So I feel like that's very valuable. I would say a mentor is also important as well so that you have someone to connect with, having team members, if that's something that you want to do as well. I think that would help going from a COVID to a post-COVID 
world. Yeah, I think that's very important. Very good. And I know as we wrap up the podcast, there are so many, so many questions that, you know, sparked so much conversation. And I definitely appreciate your time. But one thing that I do want to ask is that what is one thing that as a VA, you can't survive without? What is your like thing that factor for you? (laughs) That I can't survive without. Yes, as a VA, as a VA. A lot of people say like their phones, their laptop, their, you know, they say random type things. For me, it was a notebook and a pencil. Like I needed a pen and paper because when clients call me like on the telephone, right? I might not always have, you know, I can't use my phone at that point because I'm Mm -hmm. on the phone and I'm trying to use it. So I have a notepad and a piece of paper or a notepad and a pen to help me write down my notes that the client might be, you know, trying to tell me. So for you, what is a secret weapon that you have that makes you successful as a VA? I think just my laptop and my phone, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is perfect. That is perfect. So before we go, anything you'd like to share, anything you'd like the community to know, any special things your company has going on, anything a potential client may need to hear, like what's up? I think anybody that's looking into getting into virtual assistants, I think now is the best time for you to do it. So I'll just say, take the plunge, feel the fear, do it anyways, and just actually put yourself out there because you never know what could happen. For those looking for VAs, I would say have a conversation with these VAs, find out if they're useful for you, probably having a trial period if that's possible as well to see if they're a right fit. And I feel like VAs are a game changer. They help you to increase your finances. They help you to increase your goals and manage your goals and expectations. And they're just all around amazing. Like, I'm sorry. I agree. I agree agree with you 100%. I'm right there with you. Okay, awesome. So tell us where we can find you again online just one more time, just so we don't forget in case some of us... So we are, well, I am available on Instagram mostly at Shanna underscore Antonio. So it's S-H-A-N-N-A underscore A-N-T-O-N-I-O. We also have an Instagram page called Arc Shanna and Co. So it's A-S-K-S-H-A-N-N-A-A-N-D-C-O-C-O. Please, if you're interested in our services, we have a website. You can feel free to check that out and that will be in our bios as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us and letting us get to know you. It was so awesome. Okay, and community, you heard it here first. So go check them out. And if you're a potential client, if you're in needing of services, this is a VA to go to. But until next time, this has been Monica Joy for the AIM Podcasts.